Hi, this is Jin Lally, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Stress Bucket Solutions. I don't often have guests on my podcast, apart from some of my clients in the past, but I managed to get Michael Heppel to come on as my, to my podcast for an interview. Now, Michael is an international speaker and a best-selling author and coach, and I actually hit, did his coaching program called Write That Book Masterclass to help write my book. And it was fantastic. I wouldn't have got my book out if it wasn't for that group and that coaching program uh, at all. So it really, really helped me. And Michael offered to come onto my podcast to talk about some of his books and mental health and all those things around it with my book as well. So he's written books. If you, uh, I'll put his link, uh, link to his website in the show notes. But if you go to his um, website, you'll see all the books he's written. These books, and, and they've got great titles. How to be brilliant, five-star service, how to have a brilliant life, the edge, flip it. You know, there's these books are all self-help books, how to be get more motivation, how to get out there, how to do more. And there's a great crossover there with mental health as well. So that's why Michael agreed to do my podcast, which I was found I was really pleased with. So I'm going to just go straight into it today. I want you to have a listen to our conversation uh, and the laughs we have. And I hope it just gives you something to think about as well. And also maybe just gives you a change from my voice as well. So someone else to listen to as well. Michael, if you listen to this, thank you so much for taking the time to do this because I know you're super busy um, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So have a listen. Here we go. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast recording with me today. I really appreciate it because I know you're very, very busy. Is that is that my first question? <laughs> yeah, straight in. <laughs> oh, and I wanted you know, people we... to hear your voice and your lovely accent. Oh, I don't know about lovely accent, but um, yeah. Well, do you know, it's not about being very busy because I think sometimes we associate busy with too much. I'm just, I'm, I'm well organized. Everything is going really, really well. Lots of good stuff. Uh, good things are happening. Let's put yeah. it that way. Good. Good for you. Uh, so I'm going to jump straight in with, so how full is your stress bucket? It doesn't sound too bad at the minute. How full is it or how empty is it, should I say, right now? Well, since I read the, uh, the book, How to Empty Your Stress <laughs> Bucket and Keep It Empty for Life, then I have certainly used some of the tools and techniques in there. I really Great. have. Yeah. Because... You know, I think I think the way that you describe ideas around reframing and about what we might associate with being stressful, but actually it isn't. It's just that's the label that we put on it. Yeah. And when we start and change some labels, we start to change some the change our lives, don't we? So I'm I'm choosing to think about things as being exciting rather than stressful. Great. Um, and then the other thing that I'm doing is literally just taking one project at a time and saying no to, to lots of things. Good, good personal boundaries there that you're working on. I like that. Oh, it's hard though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But what you mentioned just before we started the recording, you, you talked about being busy. But is this an impression of being busy or actually are we being productive? Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I can be really busy yeah. all the time. I'm never, never bored. 
but are, <laughs> am I being productive all of the time? That's a really good question. I yeah. would like to think I am most of the time, but I think anybody who says that they are productive all of the time, I call BS. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not natural for the brain to be that productive all the time. No, it, it needs. Yeah, it needs its rest. It definitely needs its sleep as well. We have to do that. It's not all about the but, hustle. But is it? But the thing is, though, sometimes when we think we're being productive, I was I did an event last week, and I talked about uh, I used to talk about doom scrolling. Have you heard this expression of doom scrolling? Yeah. yeah. So, but now it's not even doom scrolling. It's just scrolling, scrolling. Because social media is designed to trap us. And somebody was saying, I find it really difficult to, to, to find the time to ring new prospects. This is a, a person who's in sales. And I said, well, how much time do you spend on Facebook? And they're like, oh, not that much. I went, okay, have you ever done that Reels thing? When I went, oh yeah, look at those. And I said, I bet you don't realize how much time you spend on those Reels. But if you were to time it, it's amazing. It's designed to just suck away yeah. at your life. Yeah. And at the end of it, do you have anything productive? One funny meme where a cat fell over. Yeah. And other than that, there's nothing that's constructive from it. I always say that oh, I'm, I'm one step away from a funny cat video here when I know I scroll too much. Yeah, uh, as Absolutely. well. But that's how the brain's designed. They're very clever the way they've designed these memes. It's to give you that reward um, chemical called dopamine and the yeah. happiness, oxytocin. So you want more because it's giving you more as you're doing it. And we, we've kind of lost that in society now, finding other places to get those chemicals naturally going in our bodies. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's that wonderful thing about, you know, you knowing the, the, the science behind the stuff. It's, it's almost like empty calories when it comes to eating. You know, again, this wonderful event that we were at last week, they had donuts twice. Yeah. And I look at a donut and I remember hearing, um, Tom Hanks talking about donuts and he said there is no good in a donut and I was like oh well there is is that oh it's something then I thought about actually there are there is no good in a donut you know there's yeah. a, a moment of that satisfaction but then after that it's all pain it's very it fleeting is, isn't it and it can be the same with this idea of scrolling through stuff and just getting that hit of dopamine but it's an empty hit yeah that's why you need it again so quickly I guess yeah. it's not sustainable uh, mm. all is it um i want to talk about your book how to be brilliant i think it is brilliant i love that book Thank you. and it's it's a great self-help book i'd put it under that because it just gives totally. you you know a lot of help in how to yes be brilliant but to to get back on track i wanted to ask your opinion on do you think a mental health barrier can stop you being brilliant and do you recognize that in people you work with or talk to or when you get questions from an audience? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Jen, all the time. And do you know what it is? I think there's a couple of things. One is it's very easy for somebody like me to stand on a stage and go, all you have to do. But I never say that because it isn't all you have to do. Life is a scrap. Let's put it out there. Life is a scrap. It's a constant set of battles that you're going through. And all I do with something like How To Be Brilliant is I give people tools to help them during those battles. And I can't fight the battle for you. I can't say, oh, just set big goals and amazing things happen. Oh, manifest your future, because that is nonsense. Yeah, I you know, agree. You know, it, you've, it's kind of, well, what do I need to do? How am I going to get ready? You know, if, I, if I'm going to start my day in the right way, Great, I got to a really good start. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've read and I've relaxed and I've meditated and I've stretched and done all that type of stuff. 
Then you get one crappy email. That one email where somebody says, no, we don't want to do this, or here's some feedback which you never asked for, or whatever it might be, and suddenly your heart sinks. That's when people need the tools. It's not when, not when they're reading the book. It's not when they're stood on the stage listening to somebody. It's, it's in real life, real life tools. And I, and I strive to give people stuff that is real, that is very, very real, and also very realistic. Yep. So, so agree with that, that, you know, when you get all these inspirational posts and things, you see people sharing them. And I always think, are you applying that though? That there's this, you know, theoretical intelligence, you understand this intellectually, but are you understanding it emotionally? Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's hard hard because the very fact that you have an emotional part of the brain that doesn't make sense that yeah. is reacting to the stuff that is yeah. firing out chemicals all over the place yeah. Yeah. Uh, to suddenly go oh have you done a state change when you got that email yeah yeah and 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 i i always say look you got, you got to practice this stuff when you don't need it so it's there when you do yeah yeah like the karate cr- kid yes remember the karate kid wax yeah. on wax, wax on off, wax off. Yeah. paint yeah. the fence why am i doing this because yeah. i'm preparing you for battle yeah yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah, you've got to practice outside. What happens when you get that, e- like you said, the email come through the feedback you didn't want, that's the polar bear appearing. So yeah. you've gone straight into fight or flight or freeze. And that will happen happen quicker and quicker and quicker, the more your stress bucket is full uh, as well. So that's where we've got to yeah. calm that down. And it happened, right? and it happens to everybody. Yeah, yeah, you know, we've I- all got the same brain. I, I did an event last week and I was really, really excited about it. And then they sent me through the feedback. There were loads of people there, well over 100 people there. They got loads of feedback, vast majority. Oh, Mike, it was brilliant. Mike, it was great. Three people give really negative reviews. And I'm not saying I uh, didn't like the facilitator much. It was like, couldn't stand that facilitator. Um, hated the speaker, one of them said. And, and I was like, oh, I feel that. I really do. Yeah. And I'm working with the same group again next week. Yeah. So I know that I'm looking in that audience and I know there's at least three people who don't like Michael. Yeah. And where would my focus go? My, I have a choice then. I can either focus on trying to get those three people on board. And in order to do that, I would dilute everything that I'm doing that day or I do what I'm paid to do. And I was brought in by this organization because they've got a massive goal that they have to achieve. It's huge. It's ridiculous that they have to achieve. And the only way they're going to do that is if they can get their senior management team, all 104 of them, 104 in a senior management team. What does that tell you? Wow. Um, all of those people out of their comfort zone, take a massive action to get massive results. Yeah. So I thought, right, I need to use my own techniques. So I did the, the distance one. How would I feel about this in a year? How would I feel about it in a month? How do I feel about it in a week? How do I feel about it in a day? Right. How far do I need to go ahead? Well, it was actually, I had to go forward the whole year. Second thing was loving what is just accept that not everyone's going to like you. And, you know, and I know quite a lot of people who are real Marmite. I don't want to be Marmite, but I'm never going to have a situation where everybody's going to love love me. And the third thing was I told me mum and she's going to have a word with them. <laughs> because if they don't like our Michael, there must be something wrong with them. So yeah. She's going to have a word. That's what I do. Yeah. When I need some help, I'm like, all right, let me ring my dad and just boost my own ego here. <laughs> Why not? But you're so right. Your focus was on those three people out of 104 or whatever. Three people gave a negative review. And our mind mad. just goes there, doesn't it? Because it, it goes to the negative. It's a survival response. I did that with when I first started to write and I remember 
when your first book's published, it's the greatest feeling and loads of people write fantastic reviews. And then suddenly you get your first one star review and it's like, oh, what, what happened there? And it was because it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't your mom and it wasn't your friends yeah. or, you know, existing clients or it was just people were starting to buy it. And I remember after, you know, especially after Flip It, because Flip It did really well, it became, you know, Sunday Times number one bestseller. And afterwards, I thought, this is it, I've made it. And there was loads of one star reviews. Well, there was bound to be because there was loads of people bought the book. And so there was naturally going to be more. And I decided I'm going to flip it myself. You did. I remember that. I I recorded all these videos where author reads his own one star reviews. Honestly, we sold more copies because I was reading one-star reviews than I would be if I was sharing five-star reviews. Love that, I remember. They were such funny videos to watch as well. Yeah. They were so good. And yeah, it was just, that blew my mind. I was like, look at you just going for it. So that was great. Well, some of them as well. I love the fact that when people do reviews, they love a little exaggerate. Yeah. You know, if if you do a TripAdvisor review, nobody ever quite says how it was. If it was a five-star, it was even better than you remember. If it was a one-star, it was even worse than actually happened. And and obviously people do the same thing with the, and they write stuff out of context. Yeah. And there was loads of these, the so-called and the patronizing voice of the author and all that type of stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to read it properly. I'm going to go deep into it. And it was good. That's their emotion coming through, isn't it? They're really yeah, gone for it. Yeah, no, that, that was really good. Your, your other book I really enjoyed was Five Star Service. Mm. And that was because from uh, when I was like 16, my first Saturday job was in a department store dealing with people. And it taught me so much. And you don't even realize how much it teaches you. Now, right now in Edinburgh, but I'm sure in, in lots of places, lots of big cities, you know, hospitality struggling, cafes and things are struggling, shops are struggling. And I appreciate that. So I'm going to put that to one side for now. But recently I've been getting service where you can see that it's not five star, it's not even four star or three star. And again, probably linking up with my earlier question, people are unhappy. So again, how do you feel? What, what is it that people need to deal with first? Their mental health to give five star service. Because surely if they were happier and we don't, we have to create our own happiness, right? So again, what is it that we're looking at here? Mental health or providing five-star service? Well, I have this saying, you can't be better for your customer unless you're better for yourself first. And I say that all the time. So then this is, this is the classic thing. Uh, Our staff, we, we want them to provide five-star service. Well, give them five-star service. Let them know how it feels to receive five-star service themselves. And the best customer service organizations in the world, they all do that. They treat their staff brilliantly. And then of course the staff go on to hopefully with the right tools and techniques, treat the customers in that, in that same way. But Jim, what you pointed out there is that there is a bit of a crisis at the moment. People are short-staffed. The ones who are there are you know, suffering for various reasons and the pressure to deliver is huge. So we can do a couple of things as consumers. We can give people a chance. Now we were, Christy and I were out for a big walk yesterday. We were in, um, on the Northeast coast and we walked into a hotel that had a bar to to get a drink. And there was a girl there and she was doing, saying all the right things, but she was hopeless, absolutely hopeless, but she was probably about 18 or 19. 
So I had a little chat and I think, oh, I think it might be up there and, and sort of helped out and stuff like that. And then she went, oh, I don't, I, I can't quite work out how to do this. And, and I said, don't worry about it. We're going to be sat over there. You can sort out the change later on. It's fine. She went, oh, thanks so much. It's only my second day. I was Aww. like, that's fine. Yeah. Five minutes later, another couple came in and this bloke says, I want half a log and I want to such. And he said, do you take cards? And she said, um, yeah, but I was just saying to that gentleman over there, I'm not quite sure the car, my colleague's just on a break, but she'll be back in a moment. And he went, oh, that's that's hopeless. That's ridiculous. And I was like, oh, you know, you've got to offer a cash next. And then she doesn't know how to open the till either. But you've got a drink. And there's always people who haven't got a drink. Yeah. So just just chill. Right? And you can see his wife looking at him as if to go, you know, imagine Derek. Shut up. It was sort of one of those type of things. <laughs> so I think number one, we can give people a chance. But secondly, I plead with people who own companies who do have the staff. You've got to invest now. You've got to invest in the training now. And whether that's some small sessions, little things that you can do on a regular basis, or whether it's you know, spending a half day doing stuff, you will you will win the game if you can provide brilliant service during trouble times. Because it's a, it's a big surprise for people. Oh, wow, I got amazing customer service from this organization rather than the, the oh, well, they did what they said they would do. Why does why, everyone went, oh, well, Amazon's winning because, they, um, because of, of, of COVID and because we couldn't order stuff any other way. No, they're not. They're winning because they provide amazing levels of service. And they always have. You know, how convenient is it? If something goes wrong, how well do they fix it? How much choice do they provide? You know, the only time when you're disappointed with Amazon is when you find out that Hermes are going to be doing the delivery. And then your heart sinks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't for sure. do that anymore either. Yeah. What you were saying there reminds me a lot of things I talk about as well. I talk about work-life balance. And I'll say to people, there's no such thing as work-life balance. Because do you want your employee to not bring their whole self to work? You know, if, yeah. if you want someone with great organizational skills, employ a mum of three kids. If you want someone who's got great discipline, employ that person that does triathlons at the weekend. Yeah, They don't stop. They're, that's their whole character. And if you can nurture that character, and that includes their mental well-being, you're going to get so much more out of them. Absolutely. And you know, also that, that work-life balance thing, it says if your work's going really well, then your life shouldn't be. Yeah. Or if your life's going really well, then your work can't be. Yeah. Who came up with that? Yeah. It's not a seesaw. It, it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, we talk about that a lot. So touched on that. That's great. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up a little bit now, but I want to ask you one last question. How do you manage your own mental health? And why do you think men don't talk about it more? They are starting to, I will say that. But, you know, from your point of view and with the, with the people you work with as well. Okay, I feel, I feel uncomfortable answering that question as a man. <laughs> You're being serious. No, not at all. Um, so how I'm very, first of all, I'm very fortunate that my, my wife is amazing. I work with my wife and, you know, obviously I live with my wife and she's really good because she doesn't let me get away with stuff. So she, there's a lot of tough love goes on in our house where she'll tell me, you know, you're starting to be like this or Michael, your ego is taken over or whatever I need to be told. So she's brilliant with that. Also, I, I'm a, I'm a fanatical reader. Now, I read all the time. I'm always in my office. I've, I'm surrounded here. I've got 3,000 books in this office. And sometimes I'll just stop and I'll just look at a wall and just randomly pick up a book. And there's always something in there. 
but you need you need to be reminded of it. So that that's I, I I do that. Now the reason why men don't talk about this stuff, I mentioned the word there, ego. It's about their egos, and men have got massive egos and often small other things. <laughs> keep it clean, and, Michael. And keep it clean. And that's what that's what stops people from being the best yeah. that they can be. They let their ego get in the way. And they find it difficult to apologize. And they find it difficult to say things like, I don't know how. And they find it difficult to show vulnerability because they think that's weakness. And they especially think it's weakness in front of women. When actually, usually what's happened is women are thinking, wow, here's a bloke who's sensitive. Here's a bloke who knows himself. Here's a bloke who is prepared to, to share something and to share vulnerability. So I think we need to create a world where it's easier for men to talk about stuff because it's not seen as a, 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 a how would you describe it? It's not seen as a, as a ego. Can I say that bit again? Do we edit this or is this yeah, going out, out live? Go, as it goes it out as it is. I've got time to edit. <laughs> right, that's fine. You see something, I, I get it wrong sometimes. It's yeah, fine. I know what you mean. Like words. It's the like, ego uh, sort of ego diminishing thing. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not about exactly that. It doesn't diminish your ego by sharing. Yeah. But, but men hate to call it ego. But the reality is it is our ego. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love what I do in solution focus work. I actually have a lot of male clients because they like my process. It's scientific, it's pragmatic, and we're not talking about past feelings. We talk more about going forward and creating change quite quickly. Yeah, so, you know, when actually when people say, oh, men don't talk about mental health, I'll say they do. They just need the right environment um, sometimes, like a slightly different environment. They're not wanting the touchy feeling, like you said, talk about the feelings and, and be openly vulnerable too much. Yeah, that's so, that's hard. It yeah. is difficult. You know, we we um well you know because you've been part of it, I would write that book group. There's more women in that than men. And the women really do find it much easier to say, Oh, I'm struggling. You know, I'm finding it difficult to, to write this week. Oh, I've been writing crap or whatever. Blokes often are kind of, oh, I five thousand words this week. And <laughs> yeah. you know, and, that, and then they wonder why they don't get as many comments and as much interaction. Yeah. And it's because we don't really want to hear that. What we really want to hear is what are you struggling with? We want to help. Everybody wants to help. Yeah. So that's very interesting when you see those two those two groups. Wow. And when you do get a bloke who's in touch a little bit more, it's amazing how everybody connects with them very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Great. Well, Michael, I'd like to thank you for your time today and sharing your thoughts on mental health and stress buckets from your point of view as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Jen, thank you for writing your book. It, it re, I'm, I'm, I'm going to big you up here because it really is a <laughs> brilliant read. I've recommended it to loads and loads of people. Thanks. You know, my go-to book used to be Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And now I say, oh, if you're feeling stressed, you want to, you know, this is the book that you need to read. And and I, I just know for a fact they're going to get something. It's you can't read that book and not find some tools that are going to help right. you. Great. That's exactly what I was aiming for with it. So thanks very much. Great testimonial there. Cheers. Pleasure. I'll pay, I'll pay you later. Let's just finish this call. I'll send you the check. It's in the post. <laughs>
So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Michael there. I loved what he had to say about the male ego, how that sometimes stops people being vulnerable. And I would say that applies to females sometimes as well. Your ego stops you from getting the help that you really need and that could really, really make a difference uh, as well. I know in this podcast, I mean, Michael and I agreed with lots of things. And sometimes it's nice to have people who disagree. It sometimes creates more interesting conversation as well. But we did agree on a lot of things. But saying that, you know, there is an overlap between that having reading those motivational books, those inspirational books, listening to an inspiring speaker, just like Michael said, but there is this barrier then sometimes with your mental health. If your stress bucket is overflowing, you can't implement those changes at all. So empty your stress bucket just as much as you're working on other things in your personal development as well. Because you would be surprised that when you start engaging that intelligent brain more, you're gonna your results are going to be cumulative. They're really, really going to build up and make a difference. I hope it's also gave you a change, maybe just not listening to my voice too much. I tried there in that podcast not to interrupt Michael too, too many times and just let him carry on speaking because everything I thought he was saying there was so valuable. But I hope you enjoyed that podcast So uh, episode today. So until next time when we have some more Stress Bucket Solutions, see you then. Take care. For, bye for now.